0: Internet, welcome to the only podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dow. And this week we will be discussing Beast of No Nation. What a title! Yeah! Great title. It's, uh, it's, well, see, Shahir, I, um, without, no, you know, we'll jump right into it. I think this movie should really be renamed.
1: What do you think it should be called?
0: It should be called. You've never had a fucking problem in your life, (laughs) is what it
1: should be called. First world problems.
0: Holy (laughs) crap! Um, Yeah, it's um, a little bit different from the last film that we we did. What was we did Sicario? We did Sicario. Um, Actually, but but oddly, I think the things I'm
1: going to talk about with of No Nation* are similar to *Sicario*.
0: I mean, I mean, okay. Okay. I'll be interested to see how that goes. Okay. It, it, and also, like, uh, maybe just from
1: a titling point of view, it it it's easy to get it confused perhaps with Beasts of the Southern Wild, but Sure. But but no bears, no resemblance. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about how we saw this film.
0: Well, um, we saw this film uh on a little streaming service you might have heard of called Netflix. Um, and this is Netflix' first for foray, foray? for what
1: first foray,
0: foray <laughs> into uh, making and distributing its own films.
1: Now that it, it, that's
0: uh, not quite the case. Now, th- uh,
1: what happened with this film is that it was made independently for six million dollars by Carrie Fukunaga oh, and, okay. and and a production company. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Well, I take
0: it all back. <laughs> uh,
1: but Netflix purchased the film um and and is distributing it simultaneously in theaters and on netflix and it's it's, and it's the first of its kind it's not the it's not the they're, they're making headways with this with another film as well um they're doing uh, a sequel to crouching tiger hidden dragon yes which is going to be simultaneously released in imax and um on netflix as well I, th- uh, you, well, well, what do you think about the whole, before we even get into the film itself, the the the, the issues around distri- distributing a film like Beasts of No Nation in this sort of, uh, I think they call it same day distribution. Sure, There's, there's a ter- phrase for this. Well,
0: I think more people will have, will see it now than would have if it had just got a theatrical release, which is great yeah the num- I honestly do think that because of a movie, oh, and we'll talk about what it's about in in a minute, uh because of a movie of this type and this topic matter, it's not something that a lot of people I think, and this is a weird this is going to be a weird dichotomy, but I think I think people a lot of people go to to movies uh for escapism, especially to the movie theater. like if you're going to the multiplex, you're probably not going to think. Yeah, like a lot of times, especially if the re- movies we reviewed this past summer or anything yeah. to sort of talk about. Yeah. but like this is a film that got me thinking a lot, and and it look if you don't think a lot after watching this movie, I would begin to question uh, if you have a soul or not, or if you're just a husk of a robotic empty shell. Uh, the the it so so it, let me just backtrack. It I do feel like that because it had this sort of dual distribution, that more people are going to watch it, which is good. Yeah, Uh, I don't think monetarily it's going to do anything that they want it to sort of do because, yeah, Netflix, I'm sure, bought it for a certain amount of money. Otherwise, the filmmakers wouldn't have sort of gone along with it. But now major theater chains have been basically boycotting it because of the type of release. I think what AMC um, Regal couple of yeah and a, and a couple others like so really only mom and pop movie theaters for the most part and i might be forgetting a major chain that said sure yeah. uh are are showing it which it's, ma- it's yeah it, it's interesting as well because uh it's an interesting choice
1: for netflix because you know we often think about um film distribu distributors as solely commercial entities you know they they they're faceless they they have no agenda uh, it wasn't until the kind of until we had branded Distributors, you know, mm-hmm. like like if you thought about MGM versus 20th Century Fox, you you didn't really say, well, one made these kinds of movies and one made these kinds of movies. But then I think around uh, the age of the independent film boom, with the with the rise of the Miramax mm-hmm. um, and maybe even the Pixar, and now the Netflix, you're you're starting to see uh, at least I think that there's a case to be made for. The distribu- the production and distribution company as auteur, you know, the production and distribution company as the as having some authorial voice in the, you know, in what type of film this is. Okay. And so, for Netflix to pick this particular film as its first film, I think is perhaps a step, you know, it, it, it's a bold step uh, on their part, and I think it it, it reflects, uh, at least in some capacity. Netflix's desire to to be uh, a home for interesting independent cinema. I'll
0: I'll also say it it's it's more of it's like it's proven itself as a legitimate dramatic home for television shows that oh, it yeah. can create I, yeah now it's, it wants a piece of honestly i feel like it, for i don't have a better term for this so to say it wants a piece of the oscar pie yeah i think i and i think there has been it's a push. slowly on its way to its egot it's gonna yeah. have a musical yeah. <laughs> uh, and, put on a broadway uh, show yeah, a broadway show yeah
1: I, and and i think i think you know like on the one hand you could look at this as a um as a reflection of netflix you know making a bold choice for its first film. But then, but then again, it made odd choices for its first TV shows as well. Like I think one of the first produced Netflix shows was Lilyhammer. Yeah. Uh, you know, that little, um, mob show mm-hmm. set in Finland, Iceland or somewhere like that. Right. Um, so may, you know, while on the one hand it, it's an interesting display of choosing an, you know, like a unique independent film on the other hand it might just be a case of netflix just kind of throwing things at the wall because they are at the same time they're also courting marvel to distribute more films they they have their own marvel sh- you know daredevil is a show on. i think netflix. they're
0: sticking with are they doing actual films i hadn't heard about that they're doing they're doing i think they're they're, looking, they're, they're looking
1: to distribute um uh marvel films oh, the, I got on, you. on netflix as well got you. so you know, I, I think, you know, like, unlike, say, HBO, which has um, a certain pedigree in documentary, for example, and TV shows, I think Netflix is trying to stake its claim, you know, uh, put its foot in the ground in sure. terms of who they are. And, it's a, you know, and I think I think Netflix is doing an interesting job of branding. And and again, a film like Beasts of No Nation is a really, really interesting film to, to stake as your first feature film. Um, it it. it Oddly, the thing, and I think um, Matt Singer over at Screen Crush—it's <laughs> a little late in the night, so <laughs> talk about—it's it? totally not midnight. <laughs> We're
0: totally not doing this right now. <laughs> but uh, I think
1: Matt Singer over at Screen Crush wrote a piece about the fact—the—the—the the, the interesting fact, which is that that Netflix, which is a a home cinema distribution company, you know, primarily they—they—they're mm-hmm. they, in the business of delivering content to your home. The first film they've picked as their first feature is oddly a film that should be watched on a, in a cinema. This is a very cinematic experience. This is a very big screen experience. So
0: I agree with that, mm. and I would have loved to have seen it in a movie theater. Yeah. However, I do think that if, if I'm not talking about the money side of this, I'm yeah. talking about the people side of this, like I said before. Would you have gone you, to see it? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I honestly wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, it would have had to have a killer ad campaign that would have cost a, a ton more money to do anyway yeah. just to get me or I feel like the average moviegoer to go see this like there's certain the, the, where where Hollywood sort of makes its money are people that they know exactly what to market to when yeah and this is something that I, it would it would be a difficult sell for a general movie going populace
1: yeah and, and I think and I think the kind of genius of that approach is that Yes. It's hard to get someone to go, Oh yeah, there's this is, you know, like I, I have this all the time, which is like, Oh, there's this really good movie. I, you know, I've heard great things. It won major prizes. It's got mm-hmm. this amazing, you know, the, you know, like when we saw white God, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, it wasn't until it came on Netflix that I saw white God. Um, and, and you know, uh, it's often the case that like a film like this is like at a movie theater that's way out of the way. Right. And it's like, you know, am I really gonna spend my Friday night going out to that movie theater? And, and I really
0: want to. And let's be very clear, by <laughs> really out of the way, Shahir means like 10 subway stops, which for people It'll, that live in New, New, New York, York City are yeah. like, oh, I mean, yeah, I could do that, or, or I, I could, could just order Thai food and uh, hang out here and watch Netflix. <laughs>
1: Netflix and chill. You know what I'm saying? But oh, and so, and so for me, having
0: L- look, nit- side note, side yeah. note. Do not Netflix and chill with this movie. <laughs> I'm going to put This, is not, this is not a Netflix this and chill. This is not the Netflix and chill film <laughs> that you're looking for.
1: But, but uh, you know, like the, the thing... Now there, there is a lot of great content on Netflix. A lot of really hard to find content on Netflix. There's that's a lot
0: what, of shit content on it too. But I think that's part of its charm.
1: Well, you know, like for example, White God. You know, that, that's a film we reviewed. You can mm-hmm. Go back and listen to that review. That's a film that's uh, hard to find, but it's on Netflix. And and you know, would we go out and seek this film had it not been on uh, on an easily distributable you know format like that? And so. To for me, the cool thing about this film was, uh, you know, like I have a hard time convincing my wife to go to the movies, so, you know, cause, right? And it's not because uh, she doesn't like the it's movies; It's because though. she hates film. <laughs> she hates fun, like me. No, no, no. no like, Chevallois loves fun. <laughs> I would say the thing about it is, is she works very, very long hours, very sure. hard, and so at the end of the day, it's hard to convince her to go out and see something that I've like. I'm, you know, like, if I cho- if I tried to sell her oh, there's this really difficult child soldier movie playing at a movie theater 10 stops away on a subway on a Friday night. That's a tough sell. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. That's but, hilarious. But, but on Friday night, last Friday night, when the movie was released, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we were, we were sitting at home and I was like, hey, there's this really cool interesting movie by the guy who directed true detective and you don't have to move and you don't you know you're in your pajamas right now we could just watch this thing um and we did and and would she have gone to see this movie now it's not that she wouldn't have wanted she really enjoyed the film, you know for well whatever the term enjoyment means with a film like Mm -hmm. this um but but would she have made the effort to go out and see it uh, had it not been on Netflix mm-hmm. and had it not been kind of staked out in that same way, in the same way that like, you know, would we all go out and see the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon um, if it wasn't like the huge yeah. campaign that's yeah. coming with it you know so i think i think this is an interesting place for netflix to be in
0: it's interesting place it is it's an interesting time like the content distribution as a whole and i don't want to go too far into this it's because the it's, game is it's changing yo. <laughs> but like youtube's now having a subscription service that's going to kind of change the entire way they do things vimeo now has its own series that you can rent like now paramount just launched
1: the huge back catalog on youtube that you can watch for free
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. hundreds upon hundreds of For now until they actually start charging for things. Um, (laughs) But like, no, so every piece of distribution, even new media, I mean, Twitch for gaming is changing a lot. Like there's a lot of things that are, everyone thinks like, oh, it's just cable that's trying to change or, 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 you know, premium channels that are Mm -hmm. trying to change to keep up with the internet. The internet hasn't decided what it wants to be yet. Like as a whole, like you think you'd know and then all of a sudden something comes out and you're like, what the hell? So Netflix, it's so funny. I, when when I think of Netflix, no one really ever talks about remember what was it? Even like five years ago, six years ago, the huge snafu Netflix did. It was, it was with, shorter than
1: that actually, when they split their company. When they
0: split their company and they were gonna do games and they were gonna do like Well, they were gonna do DVDs separately to online streaming. Right. So
1: you would have to pay you'd have to pay twice. And the
0: CEO had like a breakdown and like three emails he sent made no sense. And like then all and, of a sudden
1: Yeah, and the worst part was was that they were gonna rebrand one company as Flickster and they didn't even like
0: secure the domain name so like this is a company that Mm. we all thought at a a, Mm. a couple years ago was like oh this is dead like no one no one thought it would become this juggernaut and now it's become sort of this gold standard so it kind of i mean Mm. i i think netflix is the is the quintessential streaming service even beyond and i consider youtube a streaming service because it's streaming video it's just different content yeah i think that netflix is it's so funny because you ask probably anyone around the world they're going to know what netflix is and what youtube is yeah but they might not know cmt they, they might, might not know uh yeah. i'm trying to think like tbs they yeah. might not even know the big three anymore like across the i'm talking ABC, american NBC country yeah and like yeah. i know there obviously you know there's the bbc and there's all yeah, the other yeah. things in other in other countries but like Every country knows what Netflix is. Even if they don't have it, they know.
1: I, I'm always. Uh, I'm not much of a player on the stock market. Right. But but I was about to buy Netflix stock just as they announced the uh, the Flixster. You should have. And and what happened was was the day I was about to buy it. Literally the day Netflix stock plummeted from like 120 dollars a share down to something like 40 or 30 dollars. And yep. I and I you know, look, I'm not a stock analyst. I should have been like, oh my god, this is the time to buy. But I, in in my opinion, I was thinking, well, maybe this is the fall of Netflix.
0: Unless that was an elaborate stunt for like four people to get rich off of. Yeah, yeah. I think you made the right call. But then, but Netflix stock is sitting what at like, it, it was no, around know, $700 now. I, hindsight is always twenty <laughs> yeah. twenty, my friend. I'm saying that it you... As a reflection, I, I guess what I'm saying is that's an amazing turnaround. Sure. You know. And now, they're just doing one step forward with with going into the actual genre of all the things that they started basically streaming in the first place, but now they want to distribute their own stuff or the stuff that they buy.
1: And I think they're making smart choices. I mean, House of Cards, I think, is right up there amongst the beast television that is being distributed. Orange is the New Black is right up there.
0: Yeah, Um, Different genre, obviously, but Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt amazing for that genre. Daredevil Daredevil. is phenomenal. I'm super psyched for Jessica Jones. Yeah, I I mean, I'm a
1: bigger fan of Daredevil than I am of most of the Marvel movies. I know, I
0: feel like that's more your speed. That's more your, what you...
1: Well, I just think, I think it's a good venue for telling...
0: The smaller story. Yeah. yeah. I don't want cosmic. I don't want like even when they all come together as the defenders, it's yeah. not going to be against like aliens or yeah. robots. It's going to be against probably Wilson mm. Fisk or actually the ninja organization, The Hand, which yeah. is a big daredevil villain.
1: Yeah. Re- regardless, <laughs> we're getting off topic. I lo- but I so, love how like I can talk to you for a second about daredevil and all of a sudden it's a conversation about. And, and that's what I like. You're passionate
0: about these things <laughs> anyway well actually and this is the last thing i'll say about this and then we'll actually get into talking about <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, yeah we haven't talked about the film um yet. the it's so funny because the star wars trailer dropped as yeah. we all know i haven't and, watched it oh really no i didn't watch it. Oh, that. okay so i won't say anything about it but what i will say is everyone's flipping their shit about it mm. and it's a good trailer yeah um but i just can't seem to to give enough of a fuck, like I, I'm, I, I guess I've been hurt before. So yeah, you I don't remember 1999. Yeah. Because if you, if I remember, like it's so funny because like the feeling I got from Phantom Menace trailer is the exact same feeling I got from this trailer, and I obviously think this movie is going to like should be leaps better. and bounds better. Yeah, uh, it's got better people the be- helm. People care about the lineage. <laughs> what yeah, are you yeah. trying to
1: say about poor George Lucas? I'm
0: trying to say <laughs> that actually, if you really want to go back, again, I don't want to get too much into this because we, uh, <laughs> th- whatever, we'll talk about that later. But th- my point is. Um, I can't seem to give a crap about the new Star Wars movie. I'm going to go see it, and I'm sure I'm going to really like it, but I feel like I gave up all my fanboyness to Marvel. Like, I feel yeah. like that's my place that I get excited now, yeah. and I don't have enough childlike <laughs> wonder to go around. Yeah. And I know a lot of people... The back, uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars is their thing. This whole yesterday was the Back, back to, the to the Future, future day. And yeah. there are so many people. I always forget how many people are obsessed with that movie. Yeah, Because it changed a lot of people's lives, and rightfully so. Like, a lot of people in our age bracket are like, oh, this is why... I went I want, into television. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. Anyway. So uh, just a small <laughs> announcement and then we'll get into, into BC yeah, donation. No, this is good. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, the buildup. We haven't decided the distribution, our own distribution not on <laughs> Netflix Uh, of six podcasts, one hour each reviewing each of the star Wars films in order with different guests every time leading up. Now this will not be something that we will replace our weekly, <laughs> whatever we get around to actual current movie reviews. This is just going to be something uh In addition. In addition to. uh, So hopefully this is kind of a makeup slash. Sorry, we've been away so long. Shouldn't have left you, baby. We miss you. Come back. You can blame it all on me. Sort of apology to you guys. (laughs) Um, And we want to talk some Star Wars with some special guests that we will announce later. This is this is going to be interesting because I think it's going to be
1: it's I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I I,
0: used to be like, oh, oh, the thought
1: of watching particularly the first three.
0: Mm. like really bums me out. I'm really, <laughs> you know? so, so I think there's a lot of, again, I think there's a lot of things interesting about Phantom Menace. I think Attack of the Clones is probably the one that's going to be the hardest for me to get through. Wasn't that the bitter one? No, the second one? No, the third one's good. The third. Well, the third one is okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Let's get. So that's coming up, so just right. stay tuned for that. It'll come across your feeds, and it'll be super fun. Is there a reason that we're avoiding talking about Beasts of No Nation? I don't think so. I think we hmm. had a lot to talk about, and we've been away. Uh, <laughs> but there are reasons why people might not avoid one. talking about it, yeah. and again, which I think harkens back to a very smart move with the distribution that they did. So, Beast of No Nation uh, is the story of a child... What country was it Because I'm, I'm trying and
1: to... Here's the curious thing about Beast of No Nation is, you know, based on the book, it doesn't really give away what country I guess it is. doesn't matter. I mean, you hear the term Niger- Nigerian Liberation Force throughout the film, right. um, but there's no real indication of of which particular country... Mm-hmm. This is sit in, um, which I think is a smart move because it it tells the story from a child's perspective, which is that they don't know what countries are involved in what wars, they don't care. Right. Uh, so so go on with your with your synopsis.
0: So um, is a story of of a of a village somewhere in a nondescript uh, African country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that. Uh, you know, is is taking in refugees from a war that's going on. And, uh, you know, it tells the story of a family um, uh, mother, father, elderly grandfather, uh, two brothers, an older and a younger. And a uh, young boy by a the name little, of Abu or uh, Ab- Abu or I Ab- 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 I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, Abdu. Uh, yeah. So the main, <laughs> those call him the main kid. He, he, Agu, Agu. Agu that's uh, that's right. It was. sorry. Agu. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, it's sort of his story and like they butter you up pretty well in the beginning. Like everyone's happy and the family's good and like everything's going on. The father's like helping refugees come and like he's using their own land and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then as as it happens in these in these countries, um, they get invaded and the men decide to stay and fight for their place. They're there. They do. They they make a decision. Remember, they're in the church. They, the whole group goes into the, the, the whatever army is coming. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it, but like, let's send the women and children away and we're we've, our families have been here forever. Like this is our land. Like they're not taking our land, which is a noble thing. And I'm sure a lot of people sort of say that when these things happen, uh, so then they send the mother and whatever away, and there's no room for uh, Agu. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of like borderline. How old, how old would you say the main kid in this is? I'm really bad at picking kids' ages. Uh, I I, I want to say 11? 10 and 12 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something which, like which that. Which 11 would fit right in. Um,
1: Far too young to be witnessing the things he's going to witness.
0: Right. So then the invaders sort of roll through. And the, the the townsfolk don't do much to defend their place because they can't. They don't have a weapon. They like they they. You know, it's it's awful. And a bunch of awful things happen. One thing leads to another, and all of a goose family. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if there's too many spoilers for this film. What do
1: you To, mean? Be, to be honest with you, like uh, nothing. Everything you've described is is shown in
0: the trailer, and it's not a spoil. I, I don't feel like this is a film where. There's no twist. Yeah. There's no ending where you feel there's something weird or anything like that. Like this is just like, oh shit, this happens, and yeah. you're gonna watch it now, um, which is powerful in its own right. So basically, his entire family dies, and he runs away. But then he gets conscripted uh, by a militant movement, which I'm not even sure it's a ribble it- movement against the against the national government, um, right? But who invaded their town? Ta- See, this is this is something that the film did. I don't know if it did it on purpose or I'm just stupid and making excuses. Uh, I had a hard time keeping track of the different military organizations and who was doing what and why I, they don't focus on this a lot in the film, but I think it actually is to the film's credit, because if you're going to, if you're taking this journey with a goo, right? Yeah. I he would have been just as confused I feel like as I was yeah. like something I didn't know was like are the same people that pick him up and he becomes sort of a soldier for yeah. are they the same people that invaded their town cuz originally so then if he runs into this other militant group yeah and led by um I can't remember his character's name but um the actor the the main guy Idris Elba Yeah Idris Elba yeah. uh, who is amazing in the film I think yeah. he does a, a great job um and he basically picks up him and a couple other people, and he's like training. them. He's like, "I'll, I'll train you to fight the peop- the people that murdered your family." Yeah, and that's the whole pitch. And it's harder than that, but like mm. that, it's he's mm. not like he's not being Obi Wan. He's being manipulative fucker. Yeah, uh, and you know, to continue with the Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like Obi Wan. Let's just make well, <laughs> Obi Wan was still for the side the the light side of the force, my friend. Whereas uh, <laughs> this all day Sith everywhere in this film. Um, so. So, but so that I was confused a lot of times on who was fighting what when were these the same people that actually did it was he tricking him into doing it just to sort of get him to do like I didn't know and a lot of times I felt like especially in the beginning before it seemed like he just stopped caring before a goose stopped caring
1: well again it's that it's that question I think is that if you're a child like you know, an 11 year old child has no political allegiance, exactly. you know, like, and I,
0: and I think that level of confusion I took as a deliberate choice from the filmmaker to sort of not everything's spelled out for you. And you're just going through this kind of through the eyes of a child. And you, you obviously have your adult sensibilities. You're like, well, I know uh, he's up to no good trying to train because he's training a fucking child soldier. But at the same time, like then they do this thing that kind of makes uh, Idris Alba sort of uh, Idris Elba. Tows, Elba. Yeah, uh, he,
1: he toes that line really, really well up until a point, of right, course, right. where where you can kind of see in the situation that he's in, there is some uh, charisma, at least, uh, to his character, enough to make you want to go, you know, enough to, you know, you I, understand
0: why he's the leader of something.
1: Yeah, and and the problem is, it's not the problem. You know, the 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 central conceit of the film wants you to protect Agu you know the audience you want to like look after this kid you want him not to be in this scenario you don't want any of these kids to be in this scenario so anytime a character comes along that might offer some solace some protection you know you kind of wonder well maybe this guy is okay and and Idris Elba's character I mean you do know right away even just
0: from the marketing you know that this is not a a good man. Yeah. Um, But, but, but you start to wonder if like, he's like the best bad man in a shitty situation. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And, and, and though his sensibilities are entirely warped and
0: wrong, you know, at least does he see this as he's rescuing the kid or is he just using the kid?
1: Yeah. And also, and also, you know, like when you, if you took, if you compare it to the encounter that the family has with uh, the military at the beginning of the film, which is completely indifferent to their lives. Yeah. It's it's a flawed argument at best, and this is this is the argument that that some people had. (laughs) This is going to be a long uh, and now a very divergent analogy. Hold on, I'm just
0: gonna crack this beer. No, but it's
1: the it's the philosophical argument for slavery in some respect, which was that slavery. Uh, at least had a vested economic interest in protecting your property. And, and, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a poor argument. But essentially, if you compare the, the, the way that Agu and his family are treated by the rebels who have no interest in, in keeping no. these people alive, you could argue wrongly, in my opinion, and, 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 and flawed in many ways that at least the commandant played by Idris Elba has a vested interest in protecting Agu. So, so it, you know, it might be Stockholm Syndrome on my part, but the, you you kind of go, well, at least he is trying to protect
0: him. Of course he's not, and he's the worst human, you know, he's possibly one of yeah, the worst I don't, human beings on I don't film. Know, but I don't know if he's trying to protect him. I think he's, he might see it, like his character he, might he see it He sees it that way, that. yeah. Um, so, uh, it's it's hard because you you kind of question back and forth and again i i go back to you're kind of in a goose shoes at this point uh, and and you don't know if you know if he's yeah
1: you have to and 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 you could argue one of the uh from a from a classical cinematic point of view one of the structural problems of this film and and i and i and i, and I put the word problem in air quotes because it's not a problem it's just a perhaps right. a an issue that uh, that some people, you know, myself included had some problems with this film is that is that a goo has very little agency in the film. He has he makes very few choices about his his propulsion through the story. Now, that is a problem for a cinematic experience. But we're talking about a child soldier who's eleven years old being thrust into the into the horrors of war. I
0: disagree mm. with the beginning of that. I disagree that. I think he had a lot of moments that change him for the worse and are sort of character twisting moments. Now mm. there's th- no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that those moments don't happen. Right. I'm saying whether he makes
1: active choices to to make a decision one way or the other. I, I think what happens is is that. Events happen to him and he can only respond in the most sort of like, well, I just need to keep moving forward.
0: You know, it's it's not. Right. But that's still choice. And I know it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's child's soldier It's an insane choice for a kid. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's the point. Like there's the. His, yeah. His, that, and that's what I mean. Let's when I move say, on. So he becomes a child's old journey, he, whatever he's working with him, whatever. But then he hasn't like killed anybody yet. Yeah, and they take they do this uh, uh, sort of guerrilla warfare on a convoy. Yeah, and they take the prisoner out, and then uh, the commandant makes a goo kill him. Yeah, and at first, they, like the choice of the weapon was the most ridiculous thing. He's like, "Oh no, that gun's too big or whatever." No, he, he got to carry that gun. Yeah, okay. yeah, he gives him a hatchet yeah. instead of like a pistol. Yeah, uh, and his buddy, what was his buddy's name? Uh, Striker. 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 Uh, who was like a silent child who yeah. apparently had been. Through some shit. Although, didn't he talk in the beginning and then he stopped, like he was yelling a lot, like
1: "Yes, sir." Yeah, I think that there's a few moments, and and there's an interesting dynamic played where, again, it's that Stockholm st- syndrome kind of uh, phenomenon, which is where Striker. Th- there's some suggestion I think that Striker feels betrayed by the Commandant, or or mm-hmm. angry at Agu for you know becoming usurping, the Commandant's new favorite. Yeah, usurping him in in his place. But again, this is a horrific situation. Yeah. Um. And so I guess, you know, like, uh, w- one of the things that I think is kind of interesting about the film is that, to me, I, I think it's a very effective piece of cinema. I think, sure. I think, I think, uh, Cary Fukunaga, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher his butcher name. Butcher that name. Fukunaga, uh, is a remarkable filmmaker. I think he is, he, well, a remarkable filmmaker, in the making, even though this is like his third feature film and, you know, he directed he can the He could just first. be
0: a remarkable filmmaker. It's oh, yeah, fine. Yeah.
1: Well, I, well, I guess the thing is, for me, uh, I haven't seen Jane Eyre, but I've seen Sin Nombre and I've seen, um, I've seen this and I've seen True Detective. Which uh, season
0: of True Detective did he do?
1: Uh, season one.
0: Oh, okay, so, good. The
1: good season. <laughs> um, uh, I think he is- I, I'm not entirely convinced of his storytelling prowess. Um, I uh, True Detective. I've been. I was a little disappointed by the ending. Yeah, it went real. It got to that real quick. Uh, sin nombre, uh, and I'm. Oh, uh, I had a friend of mine, uh, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. If you're if you're listening to this, uh, call me out uh, on my pronunciation of uh, of Spanish and uh, Spanish names. So, sin nombre, which I'm I'm butchering. Sin nombre. <laughs> It um, has, has actually has a similar trajectory to *Beasts of No Nation*. *Sin Nombre* is about a uh, uh, a young woman who is forced to try and cross the border while being chased by Mexican cartel members. Okay, um, it's a very very. Good film. It's a it's a very very smartly made film, and that, and that's the one thing you can say about Carrie. Well, you can say many things about him. Uh, he's a very very smart, gifted filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if uh, he hasn't quite necessarily found a story which exploits his uh, talents as a as a director. He's a he's an excellent director. Um, but you know, like, uh, you and I were talking earlier, I think one of the things that, that happens when you get to, uh, a level like, uh, Kerry Fukunaga's, is in, is one of the things that makes you, distinguishes you is your ability to choose material. Sure. Uh, and I think his, the material, like again, and all the material he's choosing is really good. Like it's really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like true detective is really fascinating. Sin Nombre is really fascinating. Beast of No Nation is really fascinating. Um, but does it deliver on a story level? And that's the thing for me that I kind of am curious about well, with this film.
0: Well, hold on. So, so, so delivering the, the term delivering on a story level. Yeah. I think that means different things to different people because, okay, let's, let's, yes, everything, there's like only seven stories and there's the classic yeah. arc of the hero's journey and blah, 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 blah. But let's look at a film real quick. Like, so this movie, you see a character's. Tr- change and not grow for the better but like grow for the worse or change for the worse uh in a goo and again you like you said the choices are do this or die but it's a lot of that and he chooses to do the things which is because he's a child you know of course um but there's no like, there's no crazy arc to him, and I think that is that sort of what you're talking about. How the like the story itself.
1: No, no, that's the,
0: even that isn't what I'm talking about. Okay, I want to make sure before I get to my next analogy that I'm talking about the, the the same thing that you are.
1: Well, I guess what I'm talking about is is the you know, and this comes to the 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 power of cinema to to affect change, uh, and uh, in in the audience member, and and I think that this is a powerful film. And, and it has, it's certainly, it's admirable on many levels, you know, not, not least of which the, the choice of material, Mm -hmm. but does it, is it akin to taking medicine? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it, is it kind of one of those films where you go, well, this is good for me because it makes me think about a lot of things, but does it actually, you know, like compel me and move me in the way, um, I'm trying to think of a war film that that you know. I think The Hurt Locker is a really good example of a okay. film that that is using a war narrative
0: to affect to to affect to to create a, a real change in a story. So move you as in like the characters and their struggles. Because here's the thing I will say about this: it's the situation is what gets you in Beast of No Nation. It's not yeah. It's not particular characters and the actors do great jobs it's, in it's their amazing roles. Work, yeah. But it's not like... This but is it is, this like is, taking medicine? This is the opposite. This yeah. is the opposite, but but true to the same. This is sort of my analogy. I'm going to modify it a little bit. Uh, the Martian. Which I haven't seen. Okay, so no. I'm not... Spo- I'm, this is no real spoiler for you, but... The, Wait, they go to Mars? I know, right? Oh, my God. Matt Damon's character <laughs> has no arc. Right. I mean, he. If you're talking about a classic story of it, like the main character of the film is supposed to go through changes and, and do whatever. Yeah, I'm not uh, even sure if that's what I'm talking about. Okay, but, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm getting so. But the whole the the movie isn't about Matt Damon's character. Right. I, what this is might be super mild spoiler, but the movie is about the feeling of having a greater cause for humanity. Than just one nation sort of having to deal with a thing. And I
1: think that's an interesting story.
0: You know, it's, sure. It's, it's no, no, basic, I mean, I, so, yeah. so what I'm saying is that is a that movie, The Martian, is designed to give you that feeling of look what we can accomplish when we work together. Non- like that's kind of what it's going for outside of its whole big thing. Right. This film is basically saying with similar ways, just with a much harsher, different topic matter. Look what happens when you're not looking. Yeah. Uh. And that you're right. It, it the Martian. That, the Martian is also medicine, but it's flashier medicine. Sure. And sexier medicine. It's, it's a sp- medicine it's with got, a spoonful of sugar. Yeah. Uh. And uh, this is just take your fucking epic hack and shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's not. It's so weird to be like I enjoyed watching this film. Yeah. I enjoyed what this film did to my brain. Yeah. Uh, Beast of No Nation. Now we're back to that. So it's it's this type of filmmaking where story, the the mm. the the narrative and the story, is only in service of the emotion that it gets across and the things that you then think about because of it, and not just to tell you an amazing story that sticks with you because of the characters. It's the situation. And you have narratives of all different types. There's some movies that do it all. There's some that only do a few minorly. But a lot of the ones that only do a couple of these things, I feel like are in the opposite end of the spectrum than Beast of No Nation. I feel like in that case, it's a fun character. Guardians of the Galaxy, great. (laughs) I'm gonna bring it back to Marvel. Great character piece, super fun. Do I really give a shit about the galaxy? Yeah. Not really. Yeah, yeah. And this is the opposite. This is the opposite. This is, okay, there are these characters and the actors did a great job. They did a great job at portraying a situation, but I don't particularly remember or care about the characters. I care about, fuck, child soldiers soldiers are a real thing. Fuck, there are people like this commandant. Like, that's huge and heavy and weighty. And so Mm. it's interesting because you very rarely see yeah, that sort of story being told,
1: and and, and you know, like this reminded me of uh, of an experience I had. Uh, when I say experience, I read a book. This is first world. Pr- this yeah. is like yeah. like my experience of the world is books and movies. Mm-hmm. So so you know, fuck me. <laughs> but uh, but I read uh, a book called Genocide. <laughs> which is a great title for a book. Uh, but it was about... Uh, Shahir Knows How to Party. Yeah, boy, do I love fun. Um, it, it's about a guy by the name of Raphael Limpkin who was the person who got the UN to recognize the term genocide as the killing the mass killings of a group of people based sure. on race, sexuality, or a number of issues, you know. This is a mass of people based in a group. Yeah, yeah. based in a group. Uh, and, and the book was amazing because it basically detailed how Raphael Lemkin became kind of like this crazy old guy running through the halls of the UN grabbing whoever who would listen to him to talk to them about genocide and what happened in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically like shaking people, trying to trying to say, "What are you doing? There there are millions of people dying, and you're just walking through these hallways as though, you know." And, and everyone's debating, "What does genocide? What does the word genocide mean?" We saw this again in the Rwandan genocide uh, between the Hutus mm-hmm. and the Tutsis, where like the United Nations couldn't decide whether the term genocide applied to this to this to what was happening and and based on their inability to make that decision you know weren't able to intervene right and you know like bill clinton talks about it, it as the greatest uh, misstep of his presidency mm-hmm. was that he didn't intervene in rwanda and so you know, I, I guess what i'm getting at with all of that is that if this film offers some perspective in any way shape or form its perspective is hey there's this thing happening over there Mm -hmm. and it's fucking awful and it's, it's children being killed, you know? And I, and I did this, uh, thing, which is, I looked up, um, and children killing, like, and children killing that's, and that's even more horrific. There's a website called warchild.org.uk, which has some basic facts about, um, uh, about child soldiers. Uh, you know, one of the top two things that I think, will horrify anyone. Uh, You know, if you just said on a fundamental, you know, like you, you open this with like, we, you know, we don't have problems. Yeah. You know, like you and I will sit here all day and complain about the stupid bullshit that we have going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. But if you look at these first two stats, you suddenly go, who the fuck am I? And the first, and, and this is like, you know, liberal first world hipster bullshit, but but you know, our perspective. Look,
0: I'll be the first to say that 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 uh, bad feelings or 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 things going wrong in quotes in someone's lives are act are. This is a weird part to say, but are truly relative. Yeah. Like because yes. you only can be as relative to your own experience. But yeah. a logical person can look at the things that you're about to read and be like, oh, shut the fuck up, me. Yeah. Like it's very like it's very humbling and very sort of like it's good to hear these things. I mean, not that these things happen, but if they're happening, it's good for us to hear them, to realize a, that these are awful things and these should be talked about, but also B, we should be very thankful for where we are. We, we should be.
1: Yeah. And, and um, you know, so, so, the the top two statistics are there There are an estimated 250,000 child soldiers in the world today. It is an estimated that 40% of all child soldiers are girls. They are often used as non-combatant wives, sex slaves of the male combatants. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be recruited by government forces as well as rebel groups and um well, in certain parts of the world
0: those are very difficult to 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 sort of differentiate
1: <laughs> exactly and uh children are sometimes forced to kill or maim a family member breaking the bonds with their community and making it difficult for them to return um i mean yeah look this film i think does an amazing job of artfully showing us a world that we don't often see and I, and i'm i'm i would struggle to think of many other films that tackle a subject like this, um, you know. So uh, there, there was a book uh, by Dave Eggers uh, a couple of years ago called uh, "What the What," I think it was called. I haven't read it. Uh, I'm a fan of Dave Eggers, but I haven't read uh, "What Is the What," uh, which uh, is an account of a child soldier, and it's it's written by uh, a child soldier who grew up who who managed to make it out and grew up in in America. Oof. Um, and, and you know, watching. Um, uh, watching Beast of No Nation reminded me, I was like, oh, I I do want to read that book. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm not the you know, like I'm a very guided activist. I I I don't, you know, march and rally. I don't, you know, like I I, I try to keep to my my business to myself right. kind of thing. And I and I sometimes wonder is that, you know, a good thing I should be more participant in the world kind of thing. And and what Beast of No Nation, for all that I just said about um about whether its story offers perspective, if anything, the fact that it exists and it's made and it was distributed in such a, it, it with at least some fanfare by Netflix is a demonstration of the power of this film, which is that it highlights something that is not often seen on screen. And if that is anything, that's a testament to the power of cinema to bring about change by, um, By showing you things,
0: yes, by increasing knowledge awareness awareness and a a thing of a problem, Uh, the yeah, it it Mm. it does, it does that in spades. And there are specific moments in the film that really get to you. Oh yeah. Um. There's the moment where he has his first sort of kill, which I think is really uh, powerful cinema. Powerful. Um. Then there's uh there's a moment when he takes, or like they, they give him his first drugs. Yeah, and then they they what do they cut his forehead and put cocaine? It, in? It, 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 I'm not sure brown what the, powder. The, yeah, I don't know I'm not the sure drug the brown brown. Yeah, um, and he doesn't start hallucinating, but he gets more awake. And then when they storm a village or something like, the colors all change. Yeah, and it's, it's like beautiful his first. It, it's done so well. There's a time when they're storming that village um, where they run into a woman. Uh, and this is, maybe you can shed some light on this. I wasn't sure he mm-hmm. grabs at her. Eventually this woman, this actual, like, it must've been, you know, thirties or forties or whatever, and starts going, mom, mom, yeah. like I, I, my impression
1: without giving too much of, you know, without like giving away the power of that scene, uh, is that that wasn't his mother. Right. Um, but it's, it, it's an, uh, It's an incredibly powerful scene, and and Kerry Fukunaga is is demonstrating that he is a master
0: of tension. You know, the way he plays that scene out. They set it up like it could be his actual mother who got away, and it still could be. Like, I don't know Uh, if it was. I uh, I don't think it was.
1: No, I I really didn't think it was. But he
0: treats her like his mother for a second, and then he's like, no, wait, she tricked me, and he's trying to play it off, and he leaves sort of the room and he comes back and she's being raped by another soldier and he just goes up and kills like kills her straight up yeah it's it's her, it's, it's i mean it's, if if you
1: are cringing slightly as you listen to that i mean the that, description
0: i'm doing it is not giving it nearly okay. the but
1: but it importance. is it's a difficult difficult scene so
0: like but that whole transformation like it, that's a five, that's in 5 minutes right so yeah. like it's him turning back to super childlike for a second then getting real angry, and it could be because he's also high at that point, yeah., uh, and then he leaves, storms out, thinks for a second, and then basically goes back for a weird piece of super violent mercy, yeah, and just kills this woman mid rape. like
1: it remind it, 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 you know, oddly, I think it reminded me of um Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, um a lot, you know, like basically that that whole scene and the and the way that that scene is played out and the way a lot of scenes are played out, particularly later in the film is kind of about the madness of war. Yeah. You know, like this is just madness. And I think, you know, you you know, if we're, if we're, if I, if I've been talking about looking for perspective, um, in all of this, you know, a filmmaker, a, a film like the thin red line by Terrence Malick kind of offers that perspective. And, and, and Malick's, um, perspective is that that war is um a fundamental affront against nature in both human nature and the world itself. Um, and I think that's what the thin red line was really about. and I, and I'm, i am I struggle to think what beasts of no nation was necessarily about. Other than what we just described well, earlier, which is that it does highlight an area that is and the thing very that, unseen.
0: Obviously, it's shining a light on things we haven't seen. But something that I find very interesting in this film, that you could go from the actual narrative in the movie to actually the narrative of it being released. Yeah. is So it's shining this light, right? And yeah. it's not just these small moments that we're sort of seeing like, oh, we see him do this horrible thing. We see him do that horrible thing. It's pulling back. It's a very wide look at war in in these African countries and with child soldiers in general to the point where and I think this is what what the power of some a film like this like if you're in the thick of this like if a you're a child soldier or B you're the commandant or you're one of these soldiers in this thing like it has to be incredibly easy to be swept up and be like My cause is just God is behind me. This is important. We're taking back our homeland from these invaders. And this is what it is. So you get this sort of charge individually or as your little group of like, we are in the right. This is important. Blah, 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 blah. But when you pull back and you see the bigger picture of all of this stuff, the further back you pull, the more ridiculous and sort of the, the things you just said, the more insane and just, just totally irrational war in general sort of seems to the point where, again, this is a spoiler alert, but in the film – The platoon, the commandant, and and Agu, and all them go to the headquarters of the general or whoever that they're following. And they're not treated very well. And then all of a sudden, the general, because political things are shifting, who is using this commandant and all of these children's soldiers to get his shit done, all of a sudden, when light is being shown on what's happening, he then distances himself, firing mm. the Commandant or promoting slash demoting him to a place of non-combat nonsense mm. and giving a Splatoon to someone else to probably get rid of. Yeah. It it's it basically saying, even in this world, like, oh shit, once mm. people are looking, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And that was a sort of weird, cool, meta-breaking moment for me. Cause I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like. This film, if you really wanted to twist it around, if this film existed in this film, it would be one of the reasons why this guy is now excommunicating the commandant who's using child soldiers. Yeah. Like it's this moment that's like, oh shit, not even the people in charge are condoning this anymore. Yeah. Publicly.
1: And it's that, it's that amazing, you know, like there's a, in, um, I think it was in Bowling for Columbine maybe, um. Michael Moore does this little rant about the administrative side to the Holocaust. And, you know, there's this um, uh, well-documented (sighs) fact... It's well documented, if 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 Michael Moore is to be believed, if if I'm to believe Michael Moore, and I right. and I and what I mean by that is that I have not done any more empirical evidence <laughs> other than watch right. this movie, <laughs> but uh, the the notion that that uh, IBM machines were used in the processing of um, prisoners during the Holocaust for extermination, and and it makes you think about this notion that that extermination on that larger scale requires an administrative uh, yeah, administrative organization absolutely. and that's what happens in that scene you're describing in the film which is that it's that there is an administrative side to taking children and using them as soldiers to kill other human beings and training them and
0: indoctrinating them and providing. You know, there's an infrastructure to this. There's a. And I do, yeah. And I do feel like, even for instance, like let's say the Commandant uh, Alba's character is actually a real person, right? Yeah. If you showed him this film. Yeah. And saw the sort of pullback of everything and not just like, because I feel like once you're doing something for so long, if it's crazy enough, you're going to start believing it. Like, I'm not saying he was ever a good guy or like whatever. I'm just saying, like, you have to be truly mad to to watch something like this and be like, oh, no, this is completely justified. Yeah. like and if, if, if you do feel that way, then you are no longer part of the human race and and you might have something might have to be done. Uh, so <laughs> like it's very it's really it's a, it's a super interesting sort of psychological experiment whereas you you know you have these small pieces and if you're looking through tiny cracks of things, lots of things can be justified based on your own moral or whatever beliefs. Yeah, but the second you actually see a true big picture, your ignorance no longer saves you and Mm. you have to make a hard choice whether or not you're a human being. So like, that's where I think this film really shines. And I think that moment with him getting sort of fired is the real crucial moment in the film for me. Yeah, I know more stuff happens and then you sort of see a downward spiral of the entire thing more so. Yeah. But like, that was what it was sort of leading up to, and then the rest was just sort of like this horrifying gravy to yeah. me. Yeah,
1: no, that, I I think that's a really great point, point. Uh, and it's make you know what you've just said is making me th- rethink the film uh, in some part, and and maybe this is a film it's going to be hard to get people to watch it twice, but I think yeah. on a repeat viewing, if you're if you're thinking about it in those terms, I think it could be a very rewarding experience um to revisit um you know it it, like i say it will be very i i would have trouble getting someone to revisit this this film but but yeah i agree i i think that's a really that's a really good point
0: so like i think overall uh i don't want to keep going and giving too much away and i think we've kind of covered the 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 film the film and the topic matter i would unequivocally recommend watching this especially with the way it's uh, distributed like i think there's no reason you shouldn't watch this. You should watch it when you're in the sort of right mindset to watch it. Like, don't go in wanting a comedy and watching this movie. Um, it, it's so impeccably made, though, as well.
1: Uh, yeah, it's so uh, it's it's crafted with such a degree of artistic um, control, I want to say, or artistic um, ability. Mm-hmm um that that i that i i do almost wonder that like you know like sometimes you know when when you say you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch something it's because you know there are going to be like inherent flaws yeah y- y- this is a case where you you're you have to be in the right frame of mind just to 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 watch that particular story mm-hmm. but i think that's the that's the point is that these kinds of stories are the kinds of films we want to see or we should be seeing right now does that make the film akin to medicine? You know, like, uh, does it make it akin to, to taking your medicine and, and not, and you know, not all cinema should be this way, yes, but,
0: but also you're right. Not all cinema should be this way, but in a sense, why does medicine exist
1: to make us better? There you yeah, go. And, 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 and if the, if cinema has the, the capacity to make us better, then I think beasts of no nation is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, now, Will it affect change in the world? Will it, uh, you know, will it actually get people to 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 make real changes? I I, I don't know about that. And, pe- and perhaps you could make the argument that a that a more um, that a more impactful narrative. Might do that, but it, but it might not. It might not as well. It might just, you know, like a more impactful narrative. It might narrative.
0: take away from the big picture. I, you know, another, another film I'm thinking
1: about in the opposite spectrum is, uh, is David O. Russell's film Three Kings, uh, which no. I think, it, which is a to me, is a really entertaining film that uses the war and the horrors of war as its backdrop. Now, does that film affect change? I, I don't think so, but I'm really entertained by that movie. It you know? makes
0: me relive the time my lung collapsed, I'll tell you that. Yeah,
1: well the the, the scene of sexus. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was Which, uh that was actually, me. Interestingly, i I I once read about the uh the making of that film and I, and I read that this was because I, I was an extra on. It's a funny story. I was an extra in a film called Freddie Got Fingered" uh, when I was living out in LA. That's right, with Tom Green. And I, Danny, would you
0: like some sausage?
1: <laughs> and I decided to read up about all the people that were going to be working in the on the film. And they were, um, you know, it was my first time on a film set, and I wanted to like find out who's who of you know like what they did. Yeah. And the and the. um I believe it was the special effects makeup person from Three Kings was also the special effects makeup person on Freddy Got Fingered. And and I read in my research for being an extra, I might be the only person who researched the filmmakers on being sure, an extra. Sure. Um, the the guy or woman, it's been a while now, who did the special effects makeup was actually, might have been arrested because they were unsure if they'd used a real cadaver in that sepsis scene from a... Uh, from uh from Three Kings. Wow. That's a long aside, but the, it just reminded me. Um I wanted to just uh touch on one other thing that I was thinking about. Cool, uh, you got four minutes <laughs> very quickly. Uh when I, I I watched this uh very soon after I'd watched uh David Simon's show, Show Me a Hero. Uh David Simon is the creator of The Wire and Generation Kill. Um, and show me a hero is on, is streaming on HBO now or HBO go right now. And it's about the, uh, housing crisis in Yonkers, uh, excellent, excellent show. And the reason I, I, I thought about it was I read this review of show me a hero, uh, a couple of years ago, which quoted Ilya Kazan, uh, who was talking to Michael Cement in 1973. And this review basically said, Uh, well, Ilya Kazan said, I feel that today filmmakers who make films that have a social significance make metaphors. They say it's a Western, but it's really about Vietnam. And I think he was talking really there about Bonnie and Clyde, uh, and maybe a couple of other films, uh, or it's a gangster story like the Godfather, but it's really about the difficulty of speaking the truth in America. Um... In other words, they make substitute pictures. And what Kent Jones was really talking about in that review was the thing that made The Wire amazing was that it wasn't a metaphor. The thing that makes Show Me a Hero amazing is yeah. it's not a metaphor. It's about something that's happening right now. Uh, it's about uh, something that directly affects people today. And there's no metaphor to it, which is uh, uh, what I think Ilya Kazan was getting at a layer of displacement, you know, a layer that keeps us from the actual issue. And what's amazing about Beasts of Known Nation is it's about something today. It's not a metaphor for uh, the war in Iraq. It's not a metaphor for commercialism, consumerism or anything like that. It's about child soldiering. And it's telling a story about child soldiering. So the immediacy of it is the power of it. And and I think again for Netflix to make this their first film is, you know, to 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 use a to use a, a poorly uh, timed quote from Dodgeball. It's a bold choice, Cotton. Yeah, it's a let's, bold let's choice. Let's see if it works let's out. Let's see for if it. it works out. I I hope it does because I would love to see Netflix, my home entertainment, short, sure. primary, you know, uh, format, uh, you know, like a distribution model be a place for films like this and for them to champion films like this. Agreed. I think
0: I, I think that would be amazing. Agreed. All right. Well, yeah. So, bottom line is, watch a movie. Yeah, it's there. Y'all have Netflix. If you don't, what?
1: I'm glad we did this. I this was a really good conversation. Yeah, I feel, no, I feel like course. we actually really got into this. Yeah, one. we dug in.
0: And I, I think it's important. I think it's it's <clears> something to be talked about from both a content level and from even an industry level. I think it's all it's all good. It, to there's discuss. all there,
1: and it's amazing to me that this is one o'clock in the morning right yeah, now. We're fine. Both of us have like enormous bags under our eyes. It's all good. But, uh, you know, it was a good conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been the only podcast about Beasts of No Nation, um, or it, at the very least, I will say the only podcast about Beasts of No Nation that also included references to, <laughs> to Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars dodgeball (laughs) uh, and the myriad of other films that have nothing to do with this film that we kind of made have to do with this film we're very good at just being movie geeks (laughs) I think tangential nonsense (laughs) is what I got my bachelors in anyway uh, you can wait hold on so we do other things Shahir where can people find you Uh, you can uh, read uh, stuff on my blog and
1: see more of my film work at shahirdowd.com that's s h a h i r d-a-u-d dot com uh, Only Movie Podcast uh, the Only Movie Podcast about movies has a Gmail account which you can email us in to, if you let us watch a piece of donation and you have any thoughts about it let, let us know, we'd yeah. be interested in hearing from you uh, the Gmail address is OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail we
0: also have a Twitter account at OnlyMoviePod and a Facebook page, look us up that is right, uh, and you can find me at MatthewKroll.com m a t t h e w k r o l dot com. Also on Instagram at Skeletor the number four p r e z, and on Twitter at Emperor M S K. Uh, and you can find me on all those things for all of my internet ramblings. Also check out Same Night Movie Review, uh, our, Great sister, show. Great show. our sister, our uh, sister website. Are we uh, the sister or the brother? Wait. We're the sister. We're the sister. Yeah, right uh, right. we're the hot sister <laughs> huh, yeah. and the one that's going to a good college. Good, uh, good, but because they're both equally important damn it <laughs> um but uh he has great written reviews actually uh steven Buger who does most of them also our good friend matt marchetti is doing a lot of especially for halloween great, yeah. uh reviews of older sort of b films that he is a doing master the, of
1: but i think he's doing is he doing the descent coming up I, I maybe was, i yeah, don't know
0: he's got cool. a lot of cool stuff so check that out samenightmoviereview.com um yeah, I guess that is everything. So again, this has been the only podcast about Beast of No Nation. Are we going to uh, end with a joke? We're not going to end with a joke. No, we're going to we're going to end we're going to end all class. All class. Um. With that Drake song that you wanted, to play. <laughs> every
1: time what was it the Hotline Bling? I don't you know. know. when you? Uh, I'm not gonna do it because I, I haven't got it in my head anymore. Like so, just for backstory, no I've been backstory. listening to Drake's Hotline Bling all day and kind of dancing around like an idiot, and 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 I've been trying to get Matt to like have this song in his head before he flies off to Italy tomorrow. So
0: let's see, <laughs> let's see if I can do the mental gymnastics <laughs> to tie Beast, Beast of, of No Nation to, to Hotline, hotline bling. bling that. It, <laughs> Okay, so if it's a movie about child soldiers, it's made. Oh boy, don't 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 get hold on. (laughs) So it's made, so we start thinking about things and not just glossing over stuff. And perhaps a lot of people should be told to watch this movie and be told about the problem. And perhaps there's. A hotline. I don't know. There's if you no want to, if you want to stop listening to Drake, maybe there's a hotline. But ah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Anyway, yay. All right. Till next time, guys. Thank you. Keep watching. I know when that hotline bling That can only mean one thing. I know when that hotline blink. That can only mean one thing. Ever since I left the city.